0: Welcome to Ministry by Mail, a weekly sermon publication of the Church of the Lutheran Confession. Our sermon for the Sunday before Thanksgiving is by Pastor Michael Rail of St. Paul Lutheran Church in Bismarck, North Dakota. Our theme is The God-Pleasing Perspective of Thanksgiving, based on the text of Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 through 21. Grace, mercy, and peace, certainly three of God's greatest gifts, for which we do well to give thanks. May those three gifts be multiplied to each of you through faith in Jesus Christ. Amen. Dear fellow recipients of God's unlimited generosity, the text for this evening, this special Thanksgiving service, is found in Paul's letter to the Ephesians, the third chapter, and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. This is God's Word. As such, in and of itself, is one of the greatest gifts that we have been given here on this earth. By these words, we're saved. By these words, we're comforted, instructed. So many gifts given us through the study of God's Word, that He would bless us in like manner this evening, so we pray. Sanctify us by your truth, O Lord. Your word is true. Amen. It's no big secret here. um, It's no big revelation to any of you that there's bad stuff on the internet. There's also a lot of good things. A lot of interesting things. We get to see, for example, things that we would have never been able to see or experience through someone else's eyes, what we never would have been able to experience. I bring two of them up this evening because, as you'll see, they have application to our subject. Have you ever seen sidewalk art or fence art? It's amazing. If you haven't seen it, just do a search sometime. It's, it's artists that draw with chalk on sidewalks and from a certain perspective it's, it's absolutely astounding, amazing. It, they make it look like, oh, it just depends on the picture, like the whole street caved in and Ninja Turtles are climbing out or Batman and Robin are climbing up a ladder to get out of this hole or there's a shark that came out of the water. It's astounding. But then you can also find where you look at it from the wrong perspective, and it looks like nonsense. You can't even tell what it is. It's just weird. It's the same thing with fence art. Artists take these wrought iron fences, and you see, if you're looking straight at it, you just see these various splotches on it of paint. And then when you get with the right perspective which is almost right alongside when you're looking down lengthwise all of a sudden all these disjointed paint splotches become this amazing picture and the whole thing depends on perspective and that's how it relates to our celebration this evening Thanksgiving to a large extent to do it in a God pleasing way depends on perspective how you view it The godless, for example, their perspective on thanksgiving is typically a look backwards. Not a look backwards, a look forwards. Exactly the opposite of what I just said. A look forwards. Because if you think back even to Bible times and before that, and you know that. There's part of you, that that old Adam in you that sort of goes with that. Their thanksgiving is not about what they already have because they already have it. It's about what they need or they want going forward. So it is, for example, that when you read in the Bible about the pagans who sacrificed their children to Moloch or did whatever else they did to worship their God, it wasn't about pure, true thanksgiving for the past. It was, I need a good harvest. I, I, I want more money. And so I'm going to try to appeal to a God Whatever, God, that I think can give it to me and sort of grease the skids. Thanksgiving to them is more about manipulation than anything else, therefore. I want what I want going forward. And this is how I'm going to get it. Consider one of the familiar readings. We, don't, we didn't read it this evening, but it often comes up on Thanksgiving. The account of the ten lepers. You remember the account. Ten lepers were healed by Jesus And only one came back to give thanks? So how do you explain the fact that 90% of those that were healed, that got the same gift as the other one, didn't come back? Didn't come back to thank Jesus for what he'd done. They got what they wanted. Jesus had given them. So there was nothing in the future that they could Sort of manipulate from Jesus. So they just felt no need to be thankful. You see the problem? When thanksgiving, your perspective, is the future. It just messes everything up. It's not what God intended at all. That's not to say, by the way, that that there is no relationship between thanksgiving and the future. There is. There is but it's not the way the world looks at it. It's not the way the world commemorates Thanksgiving. Not for that reason. Here's what I'm talking about. You just sang about it. I don't know if you remember or if you even were cognizant of it, but in the hymn you just sang in the second verse He who hitherto hath fed me and to many joys hath led me is and ever shall be mine. He who did so gently school me this is that past look He who still doth guide and rule me will remain my help divine. Thanksgiving is not about the future, that's about trust. But it is Thanksgiving truly commemorated about what God has given me in the past that gives me confidence. You remember the psalmist, whoever it is that wrote Psalm 77, we're not sure, but he was... depressed, demoralized, because he saw the godless, the unthankful, that were doing so well, and he wasn't. And he was demoralized about the future. You remember his, his solution to that problem? I'll read it for you. After outlining all of the problems he was having, then I said, I will appeal to this. To the years of the right hand of the Most High, I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your wonders of old. I will ponder all your work and meditate on your mighty deeds. His solution was to look back and recognize all of those done deals in his life and then ask himself, what changes ever about that God That's how thanksgiving relates to the future and and gives us that trust and confidence going forward. I look back at everything. You look back at everything. Some of you can do it, and I'll let you fill in the blank, for more than 90 years. And you think, how many things has God failed me on? And we can just start down that list. It's unending, but my... Faith, my spouse, my children, parents, house, standard of living, creature comforts, a veritable plethora of luxuries, things that I really like but I don't need, toys for young and old, many of which go bang, and on and on. The list is absolutely endless. It can be something as simple as the fact that I can hear I can see, I can taste, I can smell. My senses work. It can be as simple as the, the fish or the deer that didn't get away or that sail that you found at the exact time that you needed to replace that major appliance. Again, the list is absolutely endless. How many of us have ever known a day of hunger on purpose? Maybe, but It's astounding. And that's what gave that psalmist comfort. That's what gave that hymn writer that comfort. That God who did that for me can be trusted. So the perspective is, God-pleasing thanksgiving is looking at what we have been giving in the past of God's generosity and saying thank you, with no ulterior motive, but then using that to create that trust that God deserves going forward the one who hath done all these things for me can be trusted going forward what a great life so whenever you find yourself caught up in a pessimistic depressed mentality when you're looking at not all that God has done for you and given you including especially your faith in your Savior and you're feeling instead you're looking at what I don't have then thank God also for that because you have a good shepherd who knows what you need he knows exactly also therefore what you do not need and when he says no that's also a done deal that's also a gift we've already been given, no. Your parents can probably recognize this more than young people, although they can too. The things that you wanted, the things that you had to have, and, and you had to as parents say no, or as children you heard no, and then sort of begrudgingly down the road you acknowledge, yeah, that probably wasn't the best. It was probably, I'm not going to tell my parents that, but boy, that was probably a good thing they said no. So also with God, God knows how to say no better than any earthly parent. So you can look at, why don't I have more? And then you look at this God who loves you enough to send his son, you can say, thank you, I don't. I don't know why always, it's not always easy, but thank you God for every aspect of my life because there is no justifiable reason to doubt you, to doubt your love, to doubt your care for me to doubt your faithfulness all of the evidence of my life tells me you can be trusted now do you want to know the best part best part is the best part is still to come best part is that the here and now pales in comparison to the hereafter and this too when you look at it from the right perspective, we recognize as a done deal. In other words, it's not something we might or might not get in the future. It's something Jesus says you have right now. You have eternal life in you right now. Because that new creation, that new man in you, that spirit that trusts Jesus as Savior never dies. The body goes through an earthly death, but that spirit doesn't nor can anyone take away from you your greatest single gift. Jesus came to this earth and lived a perfect life, gave that life as payment in full for every one of my sins, your sins. Every single one. It can't be undone. There's nothing that, that can nullify that or take it back. God declared it for all eternity with that empty tomb. Yes, because I raised my son on the third day, that's my promise, my seal on what he did, that his payment was sufficient to pay for every one of your sins. Your sin debt is paid in full. You are forgiven. Now how great that is is limited only by how well we apply our lives, our desperate situation, to that need the sins that we've committed some of them over and over and over again resolving in our minds to do better and we fail the sins that we don't want to admit to anyone sometimes even ourselves our language all the times when we could not say with the Apostle Paul be imitators of me When we say to our kids through words or actions, do as I say, not as I do. The thoughts, the actions, all of that sin, gone. Permanently erased. God says, I remember it no more. That's not a future gift. That's what we have right now because of what God did for us in Christ. He knew we couldn't do any good to pay for, to make up for our error, our sin. So he sent his son to do it for us. It's the only thing, by the way, that makes sense in connection with Jesus. Even from a logical perspective, God would never punish his son needlessly. If there were another way. If we could, in fact, earn payment for our own sins, why would he send his son? So this brings us finally to our text, the absolute best perspective of Thanksgiving. The best way to celebrate Thanksgiving is that backwards look and especially at those spiritual gifts we've been given. So we read again from our text, for this reason I bow my knees before the Father and right there we pause because one other element is added to our perspective. The best thanksgiving, yeah, it's looking backwards at what God has already done, but it's also doing it from our knees in abject humility, recognizing how undeserving, unworthy we are. Because, you see, if we don't have that, if we don't have that humility, that acceptance of this has been given to me and done for me, because, despite, rather, that I am absolutely unworthy in every way. And we could never be truly thankful. Then we will always believe we're entitled, or that we deserve more than we do. So with that added perspective, for this reason I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. That you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints. Do you realize are you listening to this? You have this. It's not something he may or may not give you someday. You have this. That you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. An absolutely astounding statement. To know the thing that can't be known. That's what he said. That you may be filled with all the fullness of God. That last perspective of thanksgiving from our knees comes naturally to us when we truly recognize we do not deserve the least of his mercies, let alone the greatest. And in abject humility, fall on our knees and say, Thank you, God. Thank you first for your son, Jesus, for the forgiveness of my sin." That I am now called your child. That I am now an heir of heaven. And even though those gifts could still be mine. And I have a miserable life on this earth. Yet you have blessed me with material wealth. With gifts beyond what our ancestors could have even comprehended. And I deserve none of it. Thank you, God, when you said no. When you knew what I wanted was not good for me. Thank you for every hardship that you brought into my life to bring me back to your side, to turn me from that path onto which I had wandered. Look at all God has done for you. And let the final words of our text fill your heart. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. This has been a publication of the Church of the Lutheran Confessions ministry by mail. For more information, visit clclutheran.org. For print copies of this or other sermons, please visit lutheransermons.org.